You all know this story. It's told by ministers all the time when people preach. Um, it's an apocryphal story, so it's not true, but it has something to teach. And uh, the story goes that Jesus is with his 12 disciples. And uh, they are mo- walking from Jerusalem to Jericho or some other place like that, and they are just walking. And Jesus is used to teaching his disciples, and at this stage, they stop. They sit down and Jesus says, you know what, boys, I want you to do something for me. All of you, I want you to take a stone and carry it for me, which they do. They all pick up a stone. Some take big ones, some take little ones. And Peter, being the kind of wise guy that he is, he just takes one, just like a pebble, puts it in his pocket. That's a stone. And they keep walking. Jesus has asked for a stone. They stop before they enter the city, long before they enter the city. And Jesus says to them, Please sit down. They sit. And then he says, you remember I gave you orders to take stones? Take them out. They all take them out. He waves his hands on them, and they immediately become bread. So they begin to eat. Now, you can imagine Peter is not very happy at this time because he had just a little pebble of bread. They get up, and Jesus says, I want you now to carry for me another stone. Remember, this is a stone for me. I'm your master. Please take a stone for me. And so they all take up stones and they put it in their pockets. And this time Peter is a wise man and he takes a very big one, a proper boulder. And so he is laboring with his boulder all the way as they come to Jerusalem. They begin to enter the city and Jesus says, put the stones down and let's go in. Peter is left wondering, and at what stage do we turn that into bread? To which Jesus says, I just asked you to carry the stone for me. That should be enough for you. Well, you will not resent mission. Today, that's what we are talking about. If you know whose mission it is. But if you are doing it for yourself, you certainly will resent mission. Today, we are going to look at the passage that we have just read. And uh, we are going to look at three points, all of them coming from the passage. The first one, as you can see there, is mission is for those who do not have enough experience. We are going to see that from the first verse that was read for us. The second thing we are going to see is this. Mission is for those who are time poor. And we will see that again from the passage. And then we will see it's for those who do not have enough resources. So if this describes you, please uh, let's work together. It's for those who do not have enough experiences. Would you please look with me at 6.30? Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that he had, they had done and taught. Let's just pause there. Please notice that Mark is, can be seen as a training manual for people who are serving in mission. From chapter 1 to chapter 8, verse 29, we see Mark presenting a picture of Jesus that he has been taught by Peter. And there are surprising pictures of Jesus that he shows us. And then from 8.31 to the end, we learn how Jesus wants to be served by those who are in mission. Notice that 8.29 of Mark to 31, let me tell you what happens there. They are on the mountain of transfiguration, and we all know that. 
Jesus says to them, what do people say I am? Who do they say I am? To which they say, some say you are Elijah, some say you're the prophet. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And immediately Jesus says, that is by the power of God, that you, the spirit that you have discerned that. The reason I tell that story is, that is in 829 to 31. But look, the passage we've read now in 630, that's long before they know truly who he really is. They have not had that revelation, and he's already sent them out. We saw that in the morning. It was in 6 verse 6. Then Jesus, Mark 6, 6, then Jesus went around teaching in the villages, 7. He called the 12 to him and began to send them out two by two. That is in chapter 6. They've not yet had the revelation that they have in chapter 8. And even in chapter 8, Peter has not fully understood who Jesus is. Because in 831 going on, Jesus says, actually, I am going to die. And Peter is absolutely surprised at that. The point we see in 640 is this. Please uh, look at that again. 630. They are gathering around Jesus and reporting to him all that they have done and taught. And yet they are not fully prepared. They do not have enough experience. And Jesus is saying to them, tell me what you have learned. Despite that, he has already sent them out. Here is a little suggestion uh, for you to think about as all souls, and it's a little suggestion from Kenya. Perhaps in the West, we have taken the whole business of professionalism probably too far for the purposes of mission. Because In the West, certainly in a church like this, the only people who really feel able to stand up here or to do work are people who somehow feel qualified to do it. Now, let me just remind you what we do in Kenya. And earlier I was asked what the difference is. In Kenya, and I think this is something that we could learn, is right from when children are little, before they really know what they are really talking about. They are encouraged to talk about Jesus, to come in the front and to talk about Jesus. By the time they are young people, like the people I am seeing here, some of them are leading churches. In no way am I saying that that would be a culturally appropriate thing to do in London. But you can see that they are brought up from when they are little to talk about the faith that they have in Jesus and that by the time they become adults, young adults, They are already leading Bible studies. They are leading um, evangelism enterprises. And they are already serving in mission. I think the fact that we don't do that means that we we forego an orthodox, authentic voice of inexperienced Christians. And if there is anything that we learn in culture is that that voice that is orthodox, that is authentic, can speak powerfully in a culture that is a bit cynical about professionals. 
Point number one, it's for those, mission is for those who don't feel that they have enough experience. That's just a thought for you to think about. Which then would mean, that that means then, that it's a good thing not to discourage people who are wanting to go into mission even before they know what they are doing. One application, I suppose, for that would be um, roots. That's a new name for springboard. To encourage people to go there, to begin serving, or to go to Christian Explored, or to invite people to go to Christian Explored. It does not have to be done by people who are professionals. Don't wait until you feel you are ready. Why? Because you can never be ready enough for God. He's the Lord of the universe. Do you really think you can ever be good enough to serve Yahweh? No, you can't do that. The second point is that mission is for people who are time poor. Please come with me. It's not me making up this stuff. Look at 31. Please come with me, 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that's what it says in 31, they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a lonely place so that we can get some rest. So they get into a boat, you can see in 31, they went away by themselves in a boat to a quiet place. Look at 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, and they ran their own foot from all the towns. So by the time they land there, the place is full of people. True. There is a place for resting, and we see it there. And everything I'm going to say now is not meant to be inducing guilt, because we can see Jesus himself says, rest. That's important. But do you notice what he says in 30? There are so many people coming and going, wanting to meet with Jesus, wanting to talk with the disciples, that they don't even have time to eat, time poor. Please notice, and it's there, you can have a look at that. And then they, so as they they are going somewhere which is quiet, People recognize them, and they go there and impose themselves on the disciples as well and on Jesus. Please notice in 33, they get there ahead of them. These are people who are very time poor. And when they land, it's not just a few people, it's a whole crowd. You see, in the morning, we said that um, Mark has been encouraging us to use our homes for mission. But I hear some people thinking, well, Wanyaki, really, you, I don't know whether this applies to London, this time poverty and mission. Because Londoners are very, very hard to read. They're not like these village people that you've talked about. Well, read this crowd. Do you notice we read in the morning? They would not believe Jesus. That's what we read in Mark 6, the first part in the morning. They said, this is just a carpenter. This is Mary's son. So this crowd that we are talking about, that Jesus is serving and his disciples are serving, are very much like Londoners. They are not quick to believe. Read this crowd. We don't even know why they are here. Are they here for miracles, for just the amazing uh, picture of someone doing things they've never seen? But 
they're called to serve these people. Maybe they're here for food. After all, we can see that they are hungry. Read that crowd. Or maybe it's because of politics. Because in John chapter 6, verse 15, chapter 6, verse 15, John describing the same story. He tells us that when they get ahead of Jesus to the mountain, to that place which is um, where they meet, they want to make him king. It could be that these people are there for the politics, that they want someone to lead them. And some of that is insinuated by what Jesus says, that they are like sheep without a shepherd. Do you see that? Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw this large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Which probably uh, is looking to Numbers chapter 27, verse 5, where verse 15, where Moses is praying that this crowd would have a strong leader to lead God's people into the future as he disappears from the scene. These are disciples who are time poor, as we have seen in that passage. Please notice this. They are fatigue rich. They're very tired. And notice this. They have difficulty with socially reading their crowd. I want to suggest to you, this sounds very much like Londoners. And yet God, is, Jesus is saying to them, as we are going to see, serve them. What happens to church? What happens to the world when we don't do this? We don't provide the food for them. Then the world goes on without mission and without the healing power of the Christ. Mission is for those who are time poor. So if you think you are time poor, well, this is for you. We come to the, sec- the other point, point number three. Mission is for those who are resource poor. Please come with me, verse 35. Do you see it in verse 35? By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, this is a very remote place. It's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Do you notice in 37? You give them something to eat. And that's why you have after that, that rather strange conversation between Jesus and the disciples. Because actually, it's as if they are being rude to him when he says, are we to go and spend half a year's wage to buy bread and to give it to them? says, Jesus, you're being absurd. We don't have the resources to do this. You give them something to eat, Jesus says. And then he asked him, how many loaves do you have? And it was read so well for us by Pele. And they found out and they said, five loaves and two fish. We then see that Jesus does a, in the morning we saw that mission involves spiritual work. Jesus doing things that you cannot do on your own. And in the morning, uh, Mark explained to us why we must not think that our resources are adequate for mission. And 
now Jesus sets before them this job that is far too big. We see he has already sent them before they are ready, a job that is too big. They didn't even know who Jesus was, but he's already sent them. Sends them. In the morning we saw that he has allowed the veil of, um, that covers the Lord Jesus Christ to come off. Mark told us that. He allowed the weight of mission to drop off. Now he tells them, allow and expect miracles, the miraculous work of the Spirit to do the work in mission. Please see 39. Did you see 39? Then Jesus told them to make the people sit down. Please imagine what is going on. There's, a, there's some boy with bread and fish, and we have more than 5,000 people. It's a bigger crowd than we have here at church. So that's a lot of people. He says to them, please get the people to sit down in groups of hundreds and get people to sit down in groups of fifties. So just imagine what is going on. Jesus, his disciples, bread, and thousands of people. It could be just men. It could be men and women. But let's, that's for another story. Then he says, he says to them, sit down. Do you see what happens after that? Taking the five loaves, verse 40, and the fish, and looking up to their heaven, he gives it to them, and he, the disciples, that's a verse that I, many times, I never quite, um, focused on. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Just imagine what that looks like from the crowd's point of view. If you have 50, 100, 50, 100, 50, 100, spreading all the way down, they don't know what Jesus is doing down here. As far as they are concerned, there is bread, there is fish, and they eat it. They cannot see the miracle that is happening behind the work that of, of handing over the bread and the fish. They only see the disciples. They don't see the disciple maker. They see the food distributors. They don't see the miracle worker behind the food distribution. And I just want to suggest to you, as I thank All Souls Church, for allowing us to see some of that, minist- some of that miracle in the work at St. Julian's. Let me tell you a little bit about how Jesus did that. 2015 is when we started. 2022, that's when we are handing over. Work which people thought would never be accepted. And as I said earlier in the morning, that now we even have bishops who are saying, we need this for ourselves. And as I was saying in the morning, bishops in Kenya are not people to be messed around with. These are big men. You know how African leaders like to be big people. And these are big people. But they've said they would like to be taught how to handle scripture. That, from the point of view of Peter, Zablon, and George, and the classes that we have been teaching, those are the three men taking over, in a way, that is quite normal. It's natural. Something has happened, and now we have classes to teach. But behind that, there is a miracle. A Ghanaian, Godfrey Osei Mensah. You don't know him. God has also aligned a Kenyan 
minister on a bicycle. And he used to ride, he had a parish probably the size of London. I've gone around it. You cannot believe the area he used to cover. On a bicycle, up the hills and down the valleys. Ghana, the guy's in Ghana, the other one's in Kenya. And he's also aligned that there would be an Englishman who would be in my land doing a Bible overview and he does not know about the Kenyan and he does not know about the Ghanaian. And then there will be an archbishop in Kenya. From the point of view of the people we've been working with, distributing the loaves, so to speak, it's just a wonderful class. But they don't realize that there's a miracle behind there where God aligned the Archbishop of Kenya, who is retired, with this man who used to ride a bicycle. That's my father. He used, he's taken me around his parish. I just could not believe the areas he used to cover on a bicycle. He's also aligned, I hope, sorry to embarrass him, your rector, whom I met when I was all those 25 years ago, and he did a Bible overview that I thought, Kenya needs this. And more than that, there was the Ghanaian who was an engineer, had never studied the Bible. God aligned all these people to bring about the work that you have been allowed, who have allowed us to do. It's a miracle. But as far as the people are concerned, who we've been teaching, that's just what Marion Wanyeki do. It's not us doing it. And that is why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He says this, it's when I am weak, that is when I am strong. And he's talking about himself that it, he's saying it takes poor eyesight. He had poor eyesight. We are told maybe he was short and bold. It took that as well. It took shipwrecks. It took beatings. It took stoning. It took him being a poor speaker. Such a poor speaker, we are told, that actually someone died from one of his sermons. A young man fell because Paul went on for so long and he died. It took all of that to create the Corinthian church. Mission is for those who do not have enough resources. If you feel totally competent, probably that is not God calling you to it. This mission is too big. If we ignore the miraculous, then we will stay untouched by the miracles of mission. But that's not all. If we ignore the miraculous, do you know what else we do? We replace the miracles with activity. We do so many things, good things, we filled our place of the miracles of the Spirit with excuses. We filled it with busyness. We fill it with, and in Kenya, we fill it with liturgical colors. The thing in Kenya now is, are you wearing the right colors? I think I left when we were doing green. I think we were doing green. If they catch you not in green, that the bishop will know. You could get sacked. And then there's a time for white. And there's a time for red. I don't know. All these colors. Because we have ignored mission, we don't stay untouched by that neglect. We begin to do useless things which we give a high uh, priority to. And that's not all we do in Kenya because we ignore mission. The most important thing we do now is buildings. 
We just completed a building in Nairobi, 2.5 mil- billion Kenya shillings. That's a lot of money. Please convert it. And now the big, it's for children's center. And it's a good thing to do that. But it's a very convenient trellis to show when you can't do gospel work. And in a little church where I go to, we've now got our own children's church. We don't have children, not many, but we've got a children's center. It's the next big thing. And what else do we do in Kenya? We don't just ignore the miraculous. Then we start building schools. Not souls, schools. And we don't just stop there. We have hospitals. And they are not bad things, but these take the place of gospel. When we ignore that mission is for people who have no, who do not have enough experience, our time goes to other activities which we fill that space. When we ignore the fact that it is for people who do not have enough resources, then we do other things which fill in that space. Well, What do you do if you do not have enough resources? Or maybe you are too busy. Just Can I just invite you to recognize that that space of mission is going to be taken up by something else? But it doesn't have to be that. Start small. Invite people to Roots. Invite people to Christian Explored. Mission is for people who feel they don't have enough experience. People who feel that they do not have enough time people who feel that they do not have enough resources. Let us pray. Lord, we do want to pray that as we think about these things, we may recognize that you are the one who does mission, and we thank you for all souls and allowing Mary and myself to do the work we've been doing at all at St. Julian's. May it bring glory to you, and would you bless this church with more workers and the resources as they do the work that you've called them to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.